Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and today I'll be talking to Heather Lynch, who's a licensed professional counselor, as well as the clinical manager of adult programs at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in North Brunswick, New Jersey. Today, Heather and I discuss work-life balance, so I hope you enjoyed the podcast and find it helpful. Heather Lynch, thank you so much for being with me today. You are welcome, Andy. Are you ready to be famous? I am ready to be famous. <laughs> okay. Um, so we have a couple of different things that we want to talk about today. But I guess before we get into that, I'd just like to have people explain to the listeners who they are. So can you just tell people who you are, um, what you do for Princeton House, and why you're a good person to be talking about these topics? Sure. So I started at Princeton House right after grad school, which is a very long time ago. And I started as a primary therapist. um, And I worked in Princeton at that time. And I did that for about 17 years Mm -hmm. uh, before I came to North Brunswick. And now I am the clinical manager of the adult programs. Um, And so I've been doing this for almost five years, actually. As a clinical manager, almost. Five As years. a clinical manager, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I've been at Princeton House for a total of almost 22 years, which wow. makes me sound super old. Congrats. So. Thanks. I just celebrated 10. Oh, congratulations. In, uh, August. Thank you very much. Nice, nice. A full decade. Yeah, impressive. Not as impressive as 22. Yeah, that's true. That's a long time. <laughs> So I guess one of the things that you had brought up that maybe you'd want to talk about is just um, how to manage competing demands. And I always thought about this sort of through the lens of like a work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is is that sort of how you're thinking about this or were you thinking about it a little bit differently? Yeah, I think work-life balance and you know, how do we take care of ourselves along with taking care of all the competing demands that we have to take care of, you know, and that looks different, obviously, in everyone's life. Mm-hmm. So what do you think makes you a good person to be talking about this? You know, I think that um, as someone who really kind of grew up in Princeton House, I, you know, started, I often tell people I started working at Princeton House, I was still living with my parents, you know, I was doing therapy and then driving home and my mom was cooking me dinner. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I got married and I had my kids. And through all of that, I still had, you know, a full time career. And I think being able to manage that can be extremely challenging at times, you know, and I think it's important for people to understand how to take care of themselves through all of that. I think people lose sight of their own essence Mm -hmm. and being able to manage that. And I think especially through COVID, it became much clearer to people what need, what they needed to do to take good care of themselves and then in turn take care of the other things in their life and being able to balance all of that in a way that feels good. Yeah, it's a lot. And I think during COVID too, some of those lines kind of got blurred because so many people started working from home and I don't know, it just became a little more nuanced, I guess. Mm -hmm, Um, Absolutely. But then I guess I'm wondering too, if you think that sort of your role as a clinical manager and doing supervision with therapists, uh, I would imagine that this topic comes up quite frequently. Absolutely. And I think 
that's one of my favorite parts of being in my role is supervising and guiding people, especially newer clinicians mm-hmm. who are trying to kind of find their way in their career and in their life. And something that I devote a lot of time to is how are you taking care of yourself, encouraging people to take PTO, but also not even just that, but managing sort of the day to day. Like, how do you disconnect from work? And then are able to absorb yourself and your life. Mm. You know, it's so easy, especially as helping professionals to just absorb it all, be home. You know, I would, I remember many times having essentially my group in my living room. You know, I was playing it out in my head, Mm. thinking about Mm -hmm. what I wish I had said differently or done (laughs) differently. And I think that's a, a thing that commonly happens with people and really trying to help people disengage from that and being fully engaged in your life, wherever that is. So if you're at work, being fully engaged in that process and managing what you need to do and all of that, and then being able to be fully engaged in your life outside of work, whatever that looks like, whether you're married and you have kids or you're single and you're hanging out with your friends, really being present in that experience so that you can feel like you're effective and and engaged in whatever it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like one of the things that, I mean, if we were to think about this in terms of um, things that people can do to help themselves manage these comp- competing demands or uh, manage their work-life balance, one of the things they can do, you're saying, is is really making sure that they're fully engaged while they're at work or fully engaged while they're at home. What exactly does that look like? How does a person make sure that they're fully engaged or present with whatever it is that they're doing? That's a good question. And I think it's a difficult thing to do. But I think once you are, once you're able to do it, I think it comes kind of second nature. So I think one of the biggest pieces of it is gratitude. And I think sometimes that sounds kind of hokey, but the Mm -hmm. idea of, you know, being grateful for whatever's going on in that moment. And I think that, you know, we talk a lot about gratitude with the people that we treat. I think doing that for ourselves is really important. And it's something like this morning, you know, I was thinking like, oh, I'm so grateful for the cool weather and being able to have my windows open and, you know, being able to feel the breeze, all that kind of stuff. And I think that along with it, being very mindful of what's interfering in the moments that we kind of need to move out of the way. So, for example, you know, if I'm working and I'm engaged in a task at work, that I'm not also simultaneously, you know, looking and checking my email or doing another thing, but being able to be present in what's going on. And it's not easy and it's not always possible. But I think, you know, there's a book that actually the um, Penn Medicine Book Club is um, is talking about called Be Where Your Feet Are by Scott O'Neill. Mm. And I started reading it. And it's very much about exactly that, like being where your feet are and being present in that moment. And being able to focus on whatever's right in front of you, because all those other things are still going to be there. It's just about holding your attention in whatever it is that you're doing in that moment. But I would imagine that the other side to that coin of being, you know, fully engaged and fully present, um, at either at work or at home, uh, the other side to that coin would really be being fully disengaged. Absolutely. I think if we look at work, for example, when I drive back and forth to work, I you, I did and I still do have a very clear 
kind of process where I get in my car to start driving home and, mm-hmm. you know, my commute's like about 30 minutes. So that's, you know, a lot of times to ruminate about things that happened at work and, yeah. um, you know, move through all of that. And then when I get home and when I open my door and my hit, my feet hit the driveway, that's my cue. Like I'm done. I'm done thinking about work and I come in the house and I focus on being present in my life. And obviously it took a lot of time to get to that point, but I would do things like some cognitive behavioral techniques, like thought stopping and saying, nope, you're not thinking about this now. There's nothing you can do about it. It's going to wait till tomorrow. It's still going to be there till tomorrow. So very deliberately moving things, you know, out of that moment into, you know, the next day when I'm going to be back at work. And kind of doing the same when I'm at work, you know, I think as a parent, for example, there's always things to think about and worry about with your kids. And, you know, did you fill out this form? Did you fill their lunch account with money so they can buy lunch? All of those things and having to do similar things like, okay, I'll deal with that tonight. Right now I'm at work and I got to focus on what I need to do for work and I'll attend to that when I get home. So Mm -hmm. those kind of things to help maintain focus and presence and what's happening. So I actually had two thoughts what you were talking about that. One of which is, I remember I, I was lucky enough in the past to have jobs where it was super easy to disconnect from work, like on my time off, like if I was on mm-hmm. vacation or if I was, if I just took a long weekend or whatever. And now I, I have to carry a cell phone with me for work. And I find that that's way more difficult to do, right? Uh, yeah. Because you know, my cell phone has kind of become my personal phone in, in some ways. And like, I'm constantly getting texts and emails obviously pop up on it. And so I have to be much more deliberate when I'm going on vacation, for example, to just either turn my phone off or tell people, look, you're really not going to be able to reach me because I'm I'm not going to have my phone on and really sort of be conscious of the fact that I shouldn't be responding to the work emails and I should be being attentive to whatever I'm doing at that time. Yes. Um, really trying to disconnect from work when you have time off. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, something that I try to do as a clinical manager is set that tone and lead by example. So, you know, my team knows that when I'm on PTO, I'm not responding to emails and there's other mm-hmm. people that they can contact, you know, and it's not me. Yeah. And I expect the same from them. I don't expect them to respond to me, you know, on their PTO or check their email. You know, I have people who send a handoff and say, if you need anything, you know, you could reach me on my cell. And I Mm -hmm. consistently reply, like, that's not happening. No one's reaching out to you on your cell phone, you know, and I I do think it's hard, right? There's some jobs and and things that people do that they're not able to disconnect as easily. I also think there's opportunities still where we can, I like your word, deliberate, deliberately, you know, put our phone down and deliberately say, okay, like I'm eating dinner with my family and I'm not going to have my cell phone, you know, near me. I think part of what happens for us is we're so connected to our cell phones, whether or not they're a part of our work, that having to be very conscious of our use of them and putting them aside and being able to be present with, you know, whoever we're with, whether it's our family or, or work or friends, I think it's really something that we have to really work to do because it's not easy. Absolutely. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And then the second thought, I don't want to rob you of my second thought since it's... (laughs) Of course not. You're going to be genius. Um, Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) When you were were talking about 
like your commute home and sort of unwinding from the day. I remember specifically when I was a therapist at Princeton House, I had this little notebook that I would keep on my desk in my cubicle. And at the end of every day, I would just take like 30 seconds to write down like the three or four or five things that I had to remember for the next day. And I just, look, for me, I found that super helpful because then I wasn't constantly playing this tape in my head of like, okay, tomorrow when I get into work, I have to do this, this, and this. I could kind of just leave that at the office and then come back in, just open my notebook and be like, oh yeah, I got to, you know, take care of, you know, these three things or whatever. Anyway, hey, that's just a random thought that I had when you were talking. I love that. And I actually realize now I'm looking at two different post-it pads that I have in a bigger notebook where I'm Mm. writing all the things down. And I very much do the same. I think that is a great way of leaving things at work. So you're, you know, I think people are so worried they're going to forget to do something or, you know, whatever the case Mm -hmm. is. And I even would go so far as ridiculous as it sounds. Sometimes I would write things down and then cross them off if I had already done them just to feel productive. Yeah. yeah, All right. I got that off my list, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that's a great way of, you know, leaving things and being able to disengage. And, you know, I think that as we move through various parts of our own life, you know, especially as therapists, um, there's a good amount of people that start as a therapist, they're single, you know, or maybe just in a relationship with someone and then they get married and then they have kids. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how your own kind of balance and self-care changes over those times, right? Because I think, you know, I think back like, wow, what did I do on a Saturday when I was single and I didn't have kids and a whole bunch of animals and all these other things to take care of, right? Like that to me blows my mind. What did I do? How did I spend my time? So easy for me to fantasize about that. I Same. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, what's interesting now, if I have time, like say, you know, my brother and sister-in-law take my kids for the weekend and my husband's working and I'm, you know, just hanging out by myself. I'm like, what do I do? Yeah, like, yeah, I clean yeah. that. Now what? Like, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And it it's good because it kind of forces me to be like, oh, maybe you could sit down and read that book that you've wanted to read mm-hmm. or, you know, like hang out with the friends. Like, so we I think we also lose sight of some of that stuff as we move through our life, you know, where we're we're always feeling like there's something that we have to do or need to do versus just being able to be. And sometimes mm-hmm. that just being is being present and engaged in our life. Absolutely. Okay. So being fully engaged and fully disengaged, whether you're at work or at home, what else? I, what else can people do to help keep that work-life balance healthy? I think a lot of it is also about connecting with people and being mindful of who we're connecting with. In mm-hmm. all of our lives, I think that we can identify pretty easily you know, different categories of people that we have. So someone who maybe if I wanted to go out and see a movie, I could call, that might not be the same person that I'd call if something tragic happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think having different kinds of relationships is super important. You know, for example, I have some friends who are moms who I feel, you know, connected with as a mom. And I also have people who don't have kids and I connect with them in a different way. And I think recognizing different kinds of relationships and having those connections is really important. And also being very mindful of who might suck your energy, you know, those Mm. people in our life that maybe require more of our energy 
and results in us feeling more depleted and recognizing that those might not be the people that you connect with when you yourself are running low and need, you know, some nourishment and connection. So essentially, what you're saying is being attentive to your relationships and then recognizing what you get out of the different relationships that you have. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, as we move through different phases of our life too, I think those relationships morph and change, of course, and they bring, you know, different things to our life. And some are very nourishing and others are more, I guess I would say superficial, you know, where you might hang Mm -hmm. out, go grab dinner, um, talk about different things and that's it, you know, and they're not the people that you're going to feel that you can be as vulnerable in front of Mm -hmm. and, you know, be able to share things that maybe are uh, more difficult or challenging. Hey, you know what? Um, I'm going to go out on a limb though and say that those relationships aren't any less important because sometimes you just got to go out and blow off some steam and Mm -hmm. not think about anything and just have fun. Absolutely. And I think that to that point, there's value and not feeling that you need to be vulnerable or that someone knows you so well. You know, I think as therapists, we have this, you know, people, we read people well, right? And when you have a bunch of friends who are therapists, I think the idea is that we're going to be very connected and share a lot about ourselves and all of that. And sometimes we don't want to do that. I know for me, like, I really like to go out and not have to dig deep in myself or talk about anybody's stuff. You know, like Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just about going out talking about whatever the hell's going on and calling it a day, you Me know? Too. So I'd I rather think keep that stuff buried down way yeah. deep <laughs> yes. and never discuss it or think about it. <laughs> right. I'm sure that won't have any negative consequences. Absolutely. There'll be nothing that comes of that. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> Spoken like a true therapist. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, I mean, in all seriousness, that interaction or that, um, I don't want to call it superficiality, but like that just going out and hanging out and having fun can be just as nourishing as having like some deep conversation or, you know, talking about really important topics. Just going out and having fun and enjoying being around people is just as nourishing sometimes. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I I think something else that is important to be mindful of is our own level of depletion. You know, I Mm -hmm. think there are certain times that we feel, or I feel, I know, you know, extremely depleted. And that, in fact, is a code word that I have with my husband, you know, when he's like, how's your day? I'm like, very depleting. And he gets it. And then he's like, all right. And, you know, there's no, we're not going to talk about anything serious. We're just going to hang, you know, we're going to have dinner, like whatever it is. And I think we need to be mindful of our own level of depletion too, so that we know what we need from the people around us sometimes and are able to communicate that. And of course, you know, there's times where we're, we're feeling good and like we're able to just do whatever we need to do. I think a lot of times though, you know, there's an ebb and flow to that, that we really need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. You know, I had this thought when we were talking about relationships and I'm just curious to hear your opinion on this. We're talking about sort of how to manage like a work-life balance right now. And I guess I'm just wondering, like, what do you think about having friendships and relationships with people outside of work? Like, how do you kind of manage that? So like, you mean like having people that you work with, friends outside of work? Yeah, because I I guess I'm just thinking like, you know, we're talking about the, the advantages of being fully engaged and fully disengaged from work. I wonder like, is there 
a downside to maybe hanging out with somebody who you work with mm. um, because then you have a tendency to talk all about about work if that makes sense yeah Um, totally so like I don't know what's your opinion there that's a good question I think that it's you know natural of course that people are going to forge friendships and hang out outside of work and then the the slippery slope is spending all your time talking about work or gossiping or whatever the case is and then you're not really disengaging But I think that's important, right? Because I think your experience needs to be validated. You need to feel supported in different ways. And Mm -hmm. I've always found that having, you know, connections with people and hanging out outside of work has been very valuable and I think important. And I think, you know, the talking about work doesn't always need to be the case. I think it's the initial connection, but Mm -hmm. oftentimes friendships, you know, end up morphing into other things and then people are not as inclined to talk about work and in fact might say like we're not talking about work we're going out to get drinks yeah, and we're not yeah. going to talk about work you know yeah. um but i i was actually reading an article the other day um and it was talking about how important friendships are on a team and being able to help facilitate those is really important mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. essentially the idea is you know, if people like each other and want to be with each other, they're more likely to work towards kind of common goals and do things. And I think that's very much true. And of course, you're not going to always like the people that you work with. But um, I think it's important that people, you know, have a connection in that way, Heather, if that makes sense. That's not that may be true for you. For me, I've liked every <laughs> single person I've ever worked with at um, Princeton House, just and- for the record. Um, I have no doubt that everyone has loved working with you, Andy. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm sure that that is incorrect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I guess uh, I was thinking as you were giving me that answer that probably the answer really lies in sort of that you had mentioned before about taking stock of your relationships from time to time and like what do I get out of these different relationships and really just being – um aware of whether or not those work friendships are like veering into the territory where they may be starting to not be helpful because all you do when you're with each other is complain and then you you leave feeling lousy or like absolutely you know um and obviously that doesn't have to be the case because i have plenty of work friendships but I, i definitely have gotten in the mode at times with certain people where it starts going in that other direction. I'm kind of have to pull myself back because it starts to become just like a negative, like a negative relationship almost. Absolutely. And then that feeds back into work. And then the same thing maybe is happening at work and it can lend itself to a pretty unpleasant work environment or culture. Right. Right. 